All right, well, there's bound to be some uh, interesting things this morning as we uh, wrestle through a, a very icy January morning. Thank you so much for being here. I uh, want to extend um, a thank you to those watching at Bainbridge in, in Cincinnatus. Um, you made it in there. Uh, hopefully everybody makes it home safe as well. Um, and welcome to those watching online. You're safe and warm at home. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Hey, we're, uh, we're continuing this series called Selfless New Year, Less Me. And I, in case you were not here last week, um, I want to make sure that we give a shout out to Craig Groeschel from Life Church. It's, this is based on a sermon series from him. Uh, one of the things I love about Life Church is they give away things freely. There are a lot of ministries out there today that charge for their content. Um, Life Church gives everything away for free. In fact, the, the Bible app that you might have on your smartphone, um, the Version Bible app, that's Life Church. They, they gave that away for free. Um, and so we are we're basing it on his sermon series entitled Selfless. And last week we talked about boldness, uh, be, having boldness in our witness. And uh, today we're going to continue that series. Now, when you think about that, that concept of being selfless, it really is kind of um, an antithesis to our culture, isn't it? Um, a lot of the things that we hear and see about today, it's about self-promotion. In fact, uh, Forbes, the business magazine, uh, recently did an article that said that, that self-promotion is a skill. It's something that, that you need in order to survive and be successful in, in, in business today. Um, another, another article that came out uh, not too long ago that talked about self-promotion, it was entitled this, 40 Ways to Do Self-Promotion Without Being a Jerk. Okay, so, you know, self-promotion, it's, it's kind of all around us. In fact, this is a very telling statistic. Uh, a, a number of, of teenagers across the country were surveyed, and they were asked, what do they want to do? You know, the old, age-old question, right? What do you want to do when you grow up? And 54% of them said this, I want to be a celebrity, it doesn't matter if I'm a YouTube star, if I'm an Instagram influencer or TikTok, uh, maybe a, a sports figure, but somehow I want to be well-known. I want to be a celebrity. Now, listen, that's our culture, but I think if we know the Bible, we understand that in the kingdom of God, it's really just the opposite, right? It, it, the, the whole concept that we're going to look at it throughout this series is this idea of being selfless. Now, to introduce that thought today and how that applies to what we're going to talk about, I want to ask you this question, okay? What do people say that you are always doing? Like, what are you known for? Now, listen, if you ask my wife that question, I don't know, I might, I might be afraid of some of the answers that she gives to you, but I know that one of the answers that Naomi would, would give you is this, Rick is always teasing me, all right? Like, it, it, that's my love language. I, now, I know that's not one of the official five love languages, but that's my love language. Like, if I tease with you, if I joke with you, it's because I feel comfortable and I like you and, and, and I'm allowing you to do the same with me. And so, so... 
I, like, I'm always teasing my wife. Now, sometimes she doesn't deserve it, but there are times when she does. So there is a running joke that we have in my family, and she's going to kill me when, I, when she hears this. But we have a running joke because there was this time that we were playing games, and my daughters and I admittedly were a little out of control. We were so loud. And, and, and she said this, she said, you guys are louder than molasses going downhill. And I'm like, what? What is that? And so that's like a running joke now that we have with her is, you know, we tease her about that all the time. What are you always doing? I'm always teasing my wife, but what are, what are you known for? Well, here's a biblical example. It says in, in Acts chapter 9, it talks about that there was a believer named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. Now, we got to take a time out just for a second here. If any of you are having kids, don't name them Dorcas, okay? <laughs> like, that's just not a great name for naming your kid. All right, but there was this believer named Dorcas, and she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. Like, that's what she was known for. She was always doing that. And so we may not want to name our kids Dorcas, but this morning my challenge to you is be like Dorcas. And so as we look at Scripture, we got to really ask this question is, how do we become a faithful servant? How do we, how do we be like Dorcas? Well, I want to share with you really three very quick stories from Scripture that will help us understand what this means to be a faithful servant. I'm going, to, I'm going to share a story about bringing a lunch. I'm going to share a story about offering a ride. And I'm going to share a story about carrying a towel. Now, these sound like pretty basic things, right? They're, they're small gestures. They're maybe they're things that are kind of in the background. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the kind of things that when we talk about being selfless in service, it's not necessarily the big things. It's not necessarily the things that are, that are seen by a lot of people. It's those selfless acts behind the scene. So let me start with bring a lunch. King David, great story in the Old Testament. He was a powerful leader. He was very successful in war. In fact, uh, he was such a great warrior that when he came back from his conquest, there would be women lining the streets and just singing his praises. You know, oh, David, you're such a great warrior. But David didn't start out that way. In fact, if you look back in 1 Samuel and you see the story of David and Goliath, before he slayed the giant, what was David doing? He was bringing a lunch. You see, his older brothers were, were all dressed and ready for battle. The nation of Israel was, was encamped, and, and, and they were kind of shaking in their boots because they saw this, this giant Goliath, and they saw the Philistines, and they were getting ready for battle. And Jesse, David's father, sent him to the battle, but not with armor, not to fight, but to deliver lunch. You see, before David accomplished those really bold, powerful, exciting, amazing things for God, David demonstrated that he had a servant's heart. He was willing to do the lowly, 
basic, behind-the-scenes type things. Bring a lunch? How about this? How about this? Give a ride. Like, sometimes being a servant is doing something as simple as just giving a ride. Now, the biblical example of this is as Jesus was getting ready to come into the Jerusalem, the, the quote-unquote triumphal entry. If you know the story, Jesus sent out two unnamed disciples. We don't know which ones they were. And they went to an unnamed business owner. And they said, hey, we need your donkey. And now, let's be honest, like most people... Most business people would go like, okay, well, my normal charge rate is, you know, Uber charges $1.50 a mile times whatever, right? No, he, he willingly gave away this donkey simply because two disciples came and said, hey, the master needs that. In fact, it was, it was a, a fulfilling of a, of a prophecy from Zechariah over 500 years before he prophesied that that, exactly, that was exactly what would happen. You see, being willing to, to do the small things, to give away freely. But, you know, there's, there's an, another side to that story too because Jesus had the humility, he had the servant heart that he was willing to accept that ride. Right? Because, like, if it were today and a, and a king is showing up, We'd have the red carpet out, right? They'd be coming in in a limo. There would be a procession. And that day, maybe, you know, it'd be on a chariot or something. But yet, here's Jesus willing to come in on a donkey. Now, we might have a bunch of kids that are watching online. So I want you to, I want to play along. I want you to play along with me this morning, okay? Because, like, there's different animal sounds, right? Like, for instance, what does a dog say? Roof, roof, roof. There we go. All right. What does a cat say? Meow. Right? Okay, very good. What does a duck say? Aflac. Okay. <laughs> right? What does a gecko say? 15 minutes can save you no. Just... All right. So, what does a donkey say? <laughs> right? It's like the most obnoxious thing, right? So, here's Jesus coming in in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he's writing, it's crazy. It's crazy to think. Because, in fact, we just sang about, about Jesus, the creator of the universe. The one, who, the one who made donkeys in the first place. And demonstrated that God has a sense of humor. And yet, that is the animal that he had the humility enough to ride into Jerusalem on. So we've got bring a, bring a lunch, offer a ride, and the last one of this is carry a towel. Probably the most powerful example we have in Scripture of being humble and having a servant's heart is when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Now, if you put yourself in the first century and you realize that, you know, everybody was walking around in sandals, right? They had dirt roads. This was a common thing that the, most, that the lowliest person in the household would do. If you, had a, if you had a servant, if you had a slave, that was their job. 
Their job was, as guests would come in, was to wash their feet, wash the, all the dirt and grime off of their feet. I mean, really a pretty disgusting job. But yet Jesus takes a towel, bends down, and washes the feet of the disciples. Now again, think about not only Jesus with the creator riding in on a donkey, but, but here's Jesus. He's, he's the Lamb of God, the, the bread of life. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet he's on his knees washing the feet of the disciples. You see, that's being a servant. In fact, that demonstration that Jesus had for the disciples was really part of a, a longer conversation that had been going on for a while. If we take, if we take a step back and look a few, chap, a few chapters earlier, we see that Jesus says this to the disciples, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your, say this with me, servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just before this, the disciples were having an argument. You see, they were convinced that Jesus was coming as the king to, to restore the nation of Israel. And so they started having an argument. They had a debate on who was going to be the goat. Right? You've heard this phrase before. Somebody's a goat, right? The greatest of all time. And we can fight about, you know, whether it's LeBron James or Michael Jordan or, you know, whatever. But, but the greatest of all time. And here's, here's this, this debate that's taking place. And, and I can only imagine that, that, like, John was the first to jump up. And, and John said, well, you know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Right? Like he even wrote the, the Gospel of John in the second person, and he talks about, you know, the, the disciple who Jesus loves. That's how he described himself. But of course, Peter, I mean, you know Peter's personality, right? Peter had to jump up and make his argument, and, and Peter probably jumped up and said, Hey, whoa, hold it a second. I'm the only one that's walked on water. Well, you guys were all cowering in the, in the back of the boat, like I jumped out in faith and I walked on water. Of course, the other disciples probably said, like, yeah, you lasted three steps, and then you started, you know, gurgle, 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 right? Like, but even Peter had a retort to that. You know, Peter probably said, well, yeah, but Jesus loves me so much that he saved me, he rescued me. And then, I don't know, maybe Bartholomew stepped up and started making his argument. And of course, the rest of the disciples said, hold it, Bartholomew? Like, I wasn't even sure that you were a, a disciple. Like, who are you? It, so here's this debate that's going on and, and, and this fight between among themselves as far as who's the greatest. And Jesus says, no, listen, that doesn't, you've got it backwards. You need to be a servant. You need to be a slave. Not the greatest. And so if we're to boil this down into one statement. I just, I, I, I like this quote from Craig Rochelle. He says this, serving is not just something we do. A servant is who we are. Serving is not just something we do. A servant is who we are. 
Be like Dorcas. You see, serving can be like, oh, we pick and choose the things we like to do, and we do it on occasion, we do it once in a while. Servant, being a servant is, we're like Dorcas. We do it all the time. It's who we are. It defines us. I know the, to me, the, the easiest way to illustrate this is I, I like playing basketball. Like, I enjoy going out to the gym and just shooting some baskets. In fact, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proficient at the free throw line. And, and if, we, you know, if we play a game of horse and there's no one guarding me, you know, and I can call my shot, I, I'm pretty good. But listen, I am not a basketball player. Now, I know that comes as a shock to a lot of you. But listen, I like playing basketball, but I am not a basketball player. Does that describe our relationship with being a servant? Like, are we, are we kind of in that routine of we, we like serving when it's convenient, we like serving uh, when we get accolades for it, but if we're like Dorcas, we're, we're serving all the time, it becomes, it's who we are, we are a servant. So this morning, I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 25. So all that was introduction. We've only got like 30 minutes more to go. No, I'm just kidding. You guys know me better than that, right? Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 40. In the midst of all of this, Jesus teaching the disciples about being a servant, he he describes to them what it's going to be like in the future to demonstrate to them and to us how serious he takes this, how important it is for us to be servants. And so in verse 31, Jesus says this, when the Son of Man, talking about himself, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or, or a stranger and showed you hospitality or naked and, and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say this, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it. To me. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, help the needy. That's what Jesus described a servant to be. You know, there's over 2,000 references in the Bible to the poor. Now, I haven't, I didn't look up every single one, but I've looked at quite a few of them. I haven't found a single qualifier in there. There's nothing that says, well, help the needy or help the poor, but only if they do blank. 
I would challenge you to search those scriptures for yourself. If you, if you find a passage that says that, come let me know. You see, a servant is constantly serving and doesn't withhold their service. And I think the, the, the powerful image that Jesus is trying to give to us is that as we're serving, as we're helping others, imagine that that person is Jesus. You know, it's one thing to invite somebody into our home, but imagine inviting them into our home because you see Jesus. Like, if, if Jesus was standing out at the end of your driveway, wouldn't you invite him in? But that's exactly what he's saying to us, is, is to have that type of approach with everyone. You see, serving this way has this mindset, this mentality, that when we're serving others, we're, we're really serving Christ. And it brings us really back to this big idea, this statement that serving is not just something we do. A servant is who we are. It's, it's what we become we, if we really be like Dorcas. If we're known for always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. In fact, if you turn back just a, a few verses, and if you're using a chair Bible, it's, it's literally on the same page. You'll see that the parable that Jesus told just before this, he uses this phrase. He says this, to the one who came back and in, had invested what the, the steward gave to them, he said this, well done, my good and faithful, say this with me, servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, it doesn't say, well done, my good and faithful pastor. It doesn't say, well done, my good and faithful elder, my good and faithful connect group leader, my good and faithful growth process mentor, my good and faithful church volunteer. Those are all great things. But if we are not doing those things with that mindset of being a servant, not just doing service, then we're missing the point. But that phrase, I mean, that should be our life goal. When we stand before Jesus, to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, that, that's, a, that's our mission of our life. We could stand before Jesus and he could say, hey, well done, you were a good speaker. Hey, well done, you were a good mentor. Well done, you did a great job of, of hosting people. But that would be incomplete, wouldn't it? Because as we stand before Jesus, we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Hey, let's bow in prayer. Our gracious God, we come before you. God, we thank you for the, 
the truths of your word, the examples that you've given us, that, that being a servant is just being willing to do the simple behind-the-scenes things. And God, help us to, to be consistent with that, to, to be like Dorcas and, and to, to do those things on a, on a regular basis. They just become part of who we are. So that when people ask, what, is, what does that person always do? Hey, they're always serving others. God, we just want to honor you and, and praise you and, and be a great witness for you. And God, help us to point people to Jesus, to point people to the cross through our servant heart. And God, we, we bring all of these things before you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.